Welcome to the Get Out and Try podcast. I'm your host, Katie Axel. Anyone that knows me personally knows that I'm a dog lover through and through. So it's no surprise that when I have Kayla from Coco's Heart Dog Rescue on the podcast, we talk for over an hour and I need to split it up into a two-part interview. So Kayla is the foster coordinator with Coco's and in this first part, we're going to talk about how you can become a foster with Coco's Heart Dog Rescue. Enjoy. Kayla, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being a guest. Thank you for having me. Why don't we start with what is Coco's Heart Dog Rescue? All right. So Coco's Heart Dog Rescue is a nonprofit dog rescue that's uh, foster based. So we do have a office location, but all of our foster dogs are in foster homes with volunteers so that they get the full experience of learning how to live in a home with loving people, sleeping in bed or on couches with you, getting that excellent vet care that they've never received before, and eventually finding their forever home. And we're talking today about fostering specifically, so the fostering portion of Coco's Heart. Why don't you talk about what your role is with with Coco's? Sure. So I am the foster coordinator with Coco's Heart. So a big part of my job is to process uh, applications and interest that come in from individuals that are looking to possibly foster a dog. So I help process those apps and get you set up with support teams and on particular pages and email threads so that you know of the need, you know what dogs might need help. And then we get you set up with a mentor and essentially you're just kind of, you get to pick and choose what dog you think might fit your scenario at home. And then we just help you along the process of rehabbing that dog, um, getting him vet care, and we assist with uh, the communication aspect of a new potential adapter and helping that adoption along. That's a huge job for you, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is a huge job. There's always a need for new fosters um, because there's always a need for uh, homes for dogs, basically. Um, we, we welcome them from all walks of life. So, it, it, you know, we wish we had three times as many fosters as we did in most cases because we're always having to say no and we, and we never want to do that. We always want to have the ability to just bring them in, um, but we are limited on the foster base that we that we have. And this is near and dear to my heart because we recently, as the Axel family, started fostering with Cocos. And so I'm kind of that newbie point of view with the fostering experience, but I'm really excited to unpack what it looks like to do this for a long term, for a long period of time. Did you start out as a foster and then move into the foster coordinator position? I did. So for a couple years, I actually started fostering with someone that I worked with um, at a restaurant. I I worked for her and she was a current foster with Coco's Heart. And I had experience in the vet field and I was interested because it was something near and dear to my heart. Uh, So I signed up and I fostered for a few years, really fell in love with it and started volunteering where I could, transported uh, with intakes and then really just kind of slowly got my foot in the door so that when there was a position available, I, it was important to me to, to definitely apply and and I couldn't have been happier that they picked me. So yeah, it's it's been about a four, five year process for our family and our kids. Do you have a tally number of dogs that you've fostered? 
Oh, that's a hard one. We started with litters. So our numbers really kind of skyrocketed initially. Um, we had a couple of real large litters. I think we're probably around the 100 dog mark. Wow. Um, if not over it. Yeah, because puppies kind of tend to um, really stack those numbers on. But yeah, you really, another thing too is we've grown so much as a family. I cannot imagine my kids not having this experience since we started. You know, I thought it might be hard for them, but in a nutshell, it was so beneficial for them. It is such a form of therapy for them to see dogs come in scared and shut down and then just blossom and do well and and love the kids and we have a busy household so you think you know you're limited on on what you're able to help out with but you're really not you know I thought oh man I've got kids and dogs and cats and this crazy house just can't fit a, a a dog, you know, an adult dog in that might have baggage, and it was it's could not be far from the truth. Um, we started off with puppies, and we've slowly migrated into loving like our teenage adult large breed dogs, and we've just all been amazed at how well they just fit in and adjust within within a couple of days. Not only the foster dogs, but our whole family. So yeah, it's been really not not only a good learning experience for me, but really just a great way to teach my kids how to love and care for another living thing Uh, because brothers and sisters aren't how to do it (laughs) but (laughs) like these dogs that are just so broken that it's amazing and sometimes dogs will really respond to them 10 times faster than they'll respond to me um, because they're small and they're and they're you know like my little Maddie she's really she really does a great job getting these real scared, um, sometimes puppy mill dogs to come out of their shell and they start to follow her around. And she's always the first one that gets the kisses. And it's really nice to see. How old were your kids when you started fostering? I think they were about three, five, and six. And now we, yeah. So, and now we are at eight, 11, and 12. Okay. Um, and that's where, yeah, that's when we started with Coco Star. That's about what their ages were. And yeah, so they've kind of grown up with it. They don't, they don't even, I mean, especially the little one doesn't even really know what it's like to not have foster dogs coming in and out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a lifestyle for them. Do you remember before you started fostering, what were some of the fears that held you back from pulling the trigger on fostering? Really, my largest fear was how am I going to make sure uh, to balance it all? And to fit, you know, a a dog that has an unknown past in most cases in with such a busy lifestyle. You know, so I think some people do think, you know, I I don't know that I'm sure they wouldn't be fine with my kid or I'm sure they wouldn't be fine. You know, my cat would be too stressed out. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's been the largest surprise. Um, I was anticipating a more difficult time finding dogs that would fit within our family and we've done a lot of them and you know we do don't get me wrong there's some cases that you know it took some more time and it took a little bit more decompression for them to do well but there we haven't met one yet that we haven't been able to help 
uh, and see grow. So I, I think that was the largest thing. Um, another thing for me was finances too. I want to help, but I'm not able to financially support more rescue dogs. And that was a great surprise for me to know that this rescue in particular not only supplies anything you need between food and kennels and bedding and shampoo and bowls, you know, anything, and let let alone all of the vet care that they're covering. So it's really nothing out of pocket other than my time and bringing them to the vet and completing their adoptions. So let's talk through that signing up process. If someone wants to become a foster, I remember the first step was go online and actually apply for it, correct? Correct. Yep. There is a foster application kind of process on our website. Yep. And then after that, I was contacted and this was during COVID. So instead of the in-person home visit, we did a virtual home visit. Yep. And those are gen- generally we just like to kind of get a sense of where you're at, um, but we are pretty flexible with what we can work with. We know that uh, I don't have, for instance, I don't have a fenced-in yard, so it's not a requirement to be a foster. Um, obviously, we would just need a safety plan in place uh, t- if you didn't have a fence to make sure that um, we're gonna you're able to keep your foster dog safe. So things like leash walking are are great. You know, we do ask about your interest as far as, you know, what breed or size you might be interested in fostering. Um, The application covers whether or not you rent. Renters still do foster with us. We do still just encourage you to check in with your landlord and see if there's any fee or, or breed or size restrictions. And then, yeah, I mean, there's really, we basically just talk you through it. And a lot of it is just reviewing what our protocols are. And then you kind of know what our expectations are and you know, you know, how we work things basically. Yeah. And then after that process came, my favorite part was getting added to the Facebook foster group. Where yeah, it's special. I love that page. <laughs> it's amazing. And I have friends that will say, give me your phone. I want to look at it because it's such a fun group to be a part of. Um, it's also pretty emotional to be a part of it too, because you see the behind the scenes of the rescue from start to finish. And so can you talk about what that group is and what it's set up to communicate? Sure, sure. So that Facebook group we have is solely meant for fosters only. Our approved fosters are on it. And it is a lot of fun because this page not only focuses on updates from fosters and kind of the behind the scenes of what's happening, the dogs that are coming in, the breakthroughs that fosters have made with with their new dog at home. But it also, we use it as like updates, you know, fosters will send updates, wonderful updates from adopters, which is like half of, you know, why we foster. We just, we want to see the after. We want to see them grow and be in their forever family. And then most importantly, that page does focus on our needs for fosters. So it's a great way to see and hear uh, of our needs, see the dogs. And in most cases, like right now, I'd say there's probably seven or eight dogs on that page that do currently need new foster homes. They're from all types of situations. Some are coming from shelter areas. Some are already in rescue and with temp fosters. Some of them just need a temp foster. You know, we have a huge need for that even, you know, while fosters, we'd love to give fosters the freedom to be able to go out of town and still have their vacations or work trips that they have to go to. And we have a wonderful temp foster team that's on that page as well, too. So we'll see them 
place their temp foster needs. So you can go out of town and, and still feel comfortable with that. So yeah, that page is amazing to get advice and to see what our needs are. And then there's really directions on all the posts. You know, if you're interested in helping out, it'll say who to contact. And in most cases, you reach out to me, the foster coordinator, and we get you lined up to take a dog. But yeah, it's a great behind the scenes way to see. Uh, you see our public page and you see all the new dogs coming in, but then you see all the work behind that on that foster team page. So it's really a fun thing to be a part of. But you have to be a foster to, to get in there. <laughs> yes. So that was actually one of the big selling points on convincing my husband to allow us to foster was his thought was you sign up for a foster and then you get a dog. And I said, no, 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 that's not how that works. We get to be selective in the case that we take, the dog that we take, um, you know, how long we take it. Maybe it's we would just start off with vacation coverage or temp coverage, like you said, yep. and then transition from there into more of the full-time fostering where you're, you're taking on the responsibility of a dog from start to finish. And that was a huge selling point for him because he was he had a lot more uh, reservations about you know, what is this going to be like? We have a kid and what if it's an aggressive dog? And there were a lot of concerns that he had. So it was a great way to be able to see all of the dogs that were available for fostering, whether it's temp or whether it's right from that initial uh, rescue point. I think knowing that you are not committed to a dog as soon as you sign up to be a foster was something, oh, sure. you know, that yeah. was that was what he was thinking is that as soon as we sign up, we're going to get a dog at our front door or something like that, that we didn't even agree to or something. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yeah. You have full control over how often you foster. Um, you don't always need to have a foster. I know a lot of husband and wife com- combinations will, you know, they'll say, in fact, that's what the rule was that in our house, you know, that's what I was going to start doing. Um, that never really happened was, okay, Kayla, you, you, take a foster and then after adoption you have one month off and then we can go ahead and foster again and now it's like we're lucky if we don't have more than one foster at a time at our house but um because it really is addicting i I swear once you get the hang of saying goodbye um, which can be difficult initially and i think even is probably sometimes the largest reservation people have to start fostering is you know i hear all the time i don't think i'll be able to say goodbye and that's why i wouldn't i can't i can't say goodbye to them i can't let them go yeah but once you see them you know find that perfect house and things work out all you want to do is get another one and just keep repeating it. It's it's sad. I think the harder cases even are sometimes the hardest to let go of. I some of the dogs that we've had the longest and that have been the most difficult behavioral wise or even emotionally like health wise those are the hardest ones to let go not the easy peasy ones that just fit right in and say hi and then you can turn right around and they got a million families that want them those are easy it's the hard ones are the ones that you know you're with longer and put so much you know thinking into and love and compassion into yeah. But yeah, it's you're not committed to immediately taking a dog. Once you're approved, you're put on that page and you're able to kind of wait for the right time and the right situation to come along. Like I said, we do have temp needs all the time as well. Um, and a lot of people start off with that just to kind of get into the swing of things. They know when they're coming and when they're going. And then in most cases, they've been vetted already too, which I think is some he- is hesitation for some. But permanent fosters, which is really our end goal as far as commitments go, we do like to see them 
make a commitment and really stick it out with these dogs. Because in most cases, the dog that you're going to get like that first day just isn't that dog you've got by the third or fourth day. They make such a huge transformation that it's great to see. And all the time I hear from fosters, they say, oh man, that you know, that first 12 hours, I didn't think this was going to work out, but we're on day three and he is loving life and he's part of the family. And I couldn't, I couldn't imagine that I thought of um, saying, you know, this isn't going to work out, but we've got all kinds of resources. Their fosters are partnered with mentors and it's a huge source of information and and things to try to make sure that you have a, a good experience fostering. And then we even do have trainers, that we work with and and we'll connect you with that'll help give advice and we do i think a pretty good job especially when we can um, bringing dogs in we we because our dogs are with fosters um, and in their families and integrated into the home with your personal dogs we aren't able to welcome dogs with um, known behavior aggression issues Uh, and we do as much as we can ahead of time screen them for any uh, aggression before they come in so that is something that's important to us because we know that you know our foster families are at home and they have their they're human babies and they're dog babies and we wouldn't want anything bad to happen to them. So we're, we do take aggression really seriously. And if, if that ever comes along, we've got all kinds of steps to help work through it or have board and train available to also help the dog too, if that's what's needed. Yeah, that's amazing that you've got all of those resources. And as far as those first few days, I know I, I had a we have foster mentors that walk us through everything right in the beginning. So you always have someone that you can contact and get answers. And so I remember with our first foster that we took in, I was contacting my mentor probably three or four times through text just saying, is this normal? And this is, is this okay? I've never experienced this. How many foster mentors are there? Well, we're always growing our foster mentor base. I think we're about 16 right now, 16 teams, and those are kind of all over Minnesota and Wisconsin. I'm over in Wisconsin, and teams really can vary, too, on size. Some of them only have 10 or 15 fosters on their team, and and some of them have maybe over 100. Wow. So um, it really does, like I said, it varies on how much time you're able to commit to a team. I think all of our mentors do have full-time jobs. So how that works is they get their own email through our rescue. And being a mentor just means helping those new fosters with the ins and outs of, you know, okay, this is... The, this is what's going to happen at your first intake. And, oh, hey, I wanted to check in because you've got your dog now and it's the next morning. And is there anything I can help answer? And the next step would be scheduling a vet visit. And and then she also is there to check in and make sure that we can help answer any questions through our adoption process. And we do our adoptions even are with our first couple ones that our fosters do are, are with another representative so that we can kind of get those done all in the same manner. And yeah, so there's the mentors supply a great resource when it comes to what the next step is and how do I do that? And then, yeah, they get connected with their adopters and, and once the adoption's complete, then you can take on your, your next foster or you can already have one. It's, it's totally up to you. There isn't a limit so far. Um, on how many you have. Obviously, we have litter fosters, too, that take on quite a few dogs. But yeah, I've, I normally have maybe one or two or three at a time. Now, on the fostering side of things, I was also surprised to find out that they're not just fosters from Hudson and 10 miles out. You've got fosters that are like an hour away sometimes, right? 
Oh yeah, even more than that. We even have a foster down in Iowa that like makes the truck up and we'll get a foster dog and then come back once they're pending adoption. So yeah, I mean, it is harder, I'd say, um, to get things done like our routine vet care because we do have approved vets that we work with. But yeah, they're from all, I'm, I'm about 45 minutes away from the office, but I know that they're even further out, hour and a half, two hours. So yeah, we've got, um, I, I think we have over... 600 active fosters um, in rescue so yeah they've and and they're not always fostering like I said sometimes they you know they're teachers and they only want to foster during the summer or they're seasonal and they can only help a few months out of the year but yeah they're from far far away sometimes but we're concentrated in in the Hudson Woodbury area yeah if someone can't foster there are plenty of other volunteer opportunities that they can find out about on the website as well correct Correct. So we have um, our foster application, but we also have just a volunteer application. And then we kind of send to you uh, different areas that we always need help in. And that can range from just volunteer hours at the office or transport help. Sometimes that's a huge thing. You know, if we're, if we do have a foster that lives a an hour away she works full time sometimes it's hard to get them dropped off for those spay and neuter appointments and picked back up before the vet's office closes but then also intakes too so not only do we always need help with transport for those intakes and getting these dogs in need into rescue but we also need help with transport intakes I'm sorry so intakes too are another big way that you can be hands-on with some of our dogs and like just be a huge part of actually it's probably the most exciting part uh, to me in my position is intakes. I love them. I love opening those that car door, getting seeing them for the first time, uh, getting them upstairs, getting those glamour shots, checking them out, and uh, sending them on their way with their foster to their their new beginning. So the fosters come to intakes too and get to see all of this happen. And then we load up right now because of COVID, especially we're, we're loading them up in their vehicles for them and getting them any supplies they might need. But um, that's all a part of our transport team as well too. So that transport help is needed. And then, yeah, we have once, at least once we can start again, we have event volunteers that help with all different events that we have. So yeah, there's a huge need in all different areas. Sometimes it's just over the phone work and sometimes it's driving around and being more hands-on. So there's really something for everyone, I think, in rescue. Yeah. We're going to pause here. Stay tuned for part two coming out next week where Kayla and I get into some of the things that you might experience once you are a foster. And we also talk about some stories about how rewarding it is for us. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And then if you are a St. Croix Valley business owner and you're interested in becoming a local episode sponsor or working together in some way, email us at info at getoutandtry.com. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information as well as all of the links to keep you connected to Get Out and Try St. Croix Valley. Until next time, find some ways to connect with your community. Support those hardworking small businesses that host all of the fun in the valley. Go, get out and try.